0: Let me ask you this. Have you ever been surprised by a person who has, who has responded to a gospel invitation of one sort or another, and so you have these high expectations for that person, but then it just seems like they fizzle out? Has that ever happened to anyone that you've observed? And you think, what, what in the world just happened? And you, know, you remember when you were saved, and you remember the change that took place in your life, and, and how it's really changed every day ever, ever since? And, uh, but for some people, they respond in some way, but then it, it fizzles. As far as evidence of conversion, there's nothing. Nah. And, and, and we, we wonder what's going on. Has anyone just, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, has anyone known someone? You're not going to say, say names or point fingers, but you've known at least one person that has claimed to accept the gospel, but just shows no evidence whatsoever of that. That's a, that's a lot of hands, isn't it? And, and, and so we see that it's all too common. In fact, you could say that about the entire generation, in a sense. If you look back 30, 40 years ago, the church was pretty evangelistic, wasn't it? Right? And you hear people getting saved all the time, so that should naturally produce the most godly generation, which is us, right? So wait, a thing, wait a minute, Pastor Dave, what generation are you looking at? This isn't the most godly generation, is it? And, and so we see that there are a lot of people who... who Except by faith the gospel, but for some reason something doesn't, doesn't stick. Well, as we're studying the book of Romans, we really find the answer to questions like these. We, we, we're studying the book of Romans, we're in chapter 4, we'll be starting verses thir- verse 13 through 25 today, but as we uh, look at this, we're, we're talking about making sense of what matters most, making sense of the gospel, making sure we have a clear understanding of the gospel. We already started. We've uh, gone from chapter one, and, and we've we've dealt with the topic of sins. So we understand the topic of sin. We're now in the un, in the uh, the uh, section on salvation. And that's what we're talking about right now. And we found that so far there have been two great revelations. Just a review, so we're all on the same page. Two great revelations that we found. The first one was the wrath of God is being revealed from from Romans chapter one verse eighteen we read for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. And then we read about the the nature of sin and we, we learned a lot about sin. But from there, we find the good news. Starting in chapter three, verse 21, we read about the righteousness of God. In chapter three, verse 21, it says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Bottom line of what we learned last week it's very simple. This is the way the gospel works. The gospel is a gift. The salvation that we receive is a gift. Amen. That means it's 100% grace. God provided that gift by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And that's exactly what he did. That's grace, is it not? That's grace. The second thing we learned is that it cannot be earned or deserved. If you try to earn it by works, then you ruin the gift. Right? If you try to earn it, then, then you ruin the gift. It's not a gift if we try to earn it. Then we also saw that it is received by faith. It's received by faith. How important do you think, then, faith is in understanding the gospel? I mean, this, is a, this is very important. How many times have we, were, uh, have we read, just in, in, in Romans, the word believe or faith it's in there sometimes three times in the same sentence, right? We find it is a key to understanding so many of the, uh, uh, or to understanding really what salvation is. Now, God has already provided the grace, right? Is it available for any human being on the planet? It is. It's available. God has already provided that. Jesus Christ has already died on the cross. He doesn't have to do it again. It's already paid for. What did Jesus say as, as his last words? Uh, he said, it is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so God has already provided the grace. So f- for understanding salvation for us, faith is the key. But you know what? There are a lot of definitions of faith floating around in the world today, even amongst Christians, that are not accurate definitions of faith. So if faith is the key, do you, do you want to make sure that you understand God's definition of faith? Right? I mean, we do not want to get this one wrong. Right? We want to make sure we get this one Right, here, here are some of the uh, false or maybe incomplete notions of faith that we've seen around there. In fact, I just did a search online and looked up faith and, and quotes on faith and, and uh, saw all sorts of things. I saw some patterns of ideas that, that came across. Here's the, the, probably the most popular idea of faith that you find, at least on the internet, is that faith is belief in your own ability, right? It's belief in your own ability. It's the idea that if you just have faith, you'll be able to do it. Here's, here's one of them. This is from uh, Christian D. Larson. It said, Believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something inside you that is greater than any obstacle. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Right? Sounds great. We'd all love to believe that, there, that we, there's something in us, innately, that makes us bigger and better than all obstacles. I would, I would suggest to Christian uh, Larson that he, he try it in the real world step into traffic and see if he's bigger than the truck that's coming his way, right? (laughs) It it sounds good in theory, but it doesn't work in the real world because guess what? There are obstacles that are bigger than you. Isn't that true? If you try to do it, go alone on your own strength, you're going to run into problem after problem after problem. Uh, Here's another quote uh, uh, that I found from uh, Karen Costilla. Says when we hear someone say no, it is ju- it just means it's not time yet. Each and every no is a test of our faith. Stay strong and hold on a little bit longer. Because that, that sounds great too, doesn't it? it? Sounds beautiful. But when you stop and think about what she's actually saying, every time, each and every time someone tells you no, then that just means not yet. What is that? There are all sorts of assumptions in this that you know what's right, you know what's best, and. and in reality, it doesn't work that way, does it? Um, so belief in your own ability is one of, is probably the most popular understanding of what faith actually means. In, in reality, sometimes no actually means no. Right. Here's a second one that I found. Um, it's the belief that God will do what you want him to. Now think about that for a it's faith is belief that God will do what you want Him to do. This is a very popular one, even amongst Christians. In fact, you've seen and uh, some of those uh, emails or chain letters where it'll say, it, "Type Amen and you and you will receive a blessing from God in the next twenty four hours." But if you don't, then what's going to happen? You know, God's going to do something about it. Where does that even come from? Let me ask you: this. Does God have a Facebook account? I've looked and I haven't found him out there, right? He's not there, right? Well, it, would be, it would be nice in a sense, but, uh, but uh, we actually have something way better than that, do we not? Full revelation of everything we need to know for life and godliness right here in the Bible. Uh, so God's not on Facebook, so who originated the, those kinds of things? Somebody who wants you to get a blessing and wants that, and, and I, I've seen uh, even Christians that, that, uh, uh, that I, people I know are beyond that, it might be a joke to some of them, but uh, but in reality, if if someone's believing in those things, wait a minute. That's faith in what? Faith in what? Somebody wants to happen. If God didn't say it, then it wasn't going to happen. Then it's not really faith, is it? Um. Here's a here's a quote from Andrew Murray. He says, "Faith expects from God what is beyond all expectation." You know, in this quote, there's an element of truth, isn't there? And there's. A little bit of deception in there. Should we it, ever expect from God something that is beyond all human expectation? I hope so, right? Because from a human perspective, boy, all the things we just sang about, being in the throne room of God, of, of God all those kinds, from a human perspective, well, there's no proof of any of that, right? Um, but as faith expects that uh, expects from God what is beyond all expectation, um, we, that reeks a little bit of Well, what I want him to do, he's going to do that and more. You have to be very careful with that. Or even Augustine uh, wrote, you probably can't read the words from here, but so I'll read them. It says, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward for this faith is to see what we believe. In In the proper context, that's absolutely true, isn't it? If what we believe is based on what God has said. But if it's whatever we believe that's what we're going to see, mm, I have a problem with that. Don't you? And, and so we have to be very careful. Here's the thing. When it comes to this second type of faith, the, the belief that God will do what you want him to do, it's very easy to spot if what you want isn't good. For example, this man here who's praying, God, I trust that you will bless me with worldly riches in spite of my constant disobedience and incessant rejection of biblical wisdom. Now, we would all look at that and say, oh, that's not right. There's something not, not right with that kind of faith. But you know what? There's a lot of people that do that. They, Lord, I, I just pray that you'll bless me with money even though I'm lazy and even though I you know, don't work hard and even though I'm not going to look for a job. I, whatever it might be, right? Uh, but w- it's easy for us to spot and say, and say all these things. For one, he's, what does he want? He wants worldly riches. God never promised us that, Right? So you might be completely obedient and he'll change your desires instead of changing the outcome of, of what you want and giving you everything you want. We, we, it's easy to spot. It's a little bit more difficult to spot, though, when what we want is actually good. But many times, faith is believing that God will do what we want him to do because we, what we want is good. Uh, for example, this, this lady here who's praying, God, I trust that you will heal my friend because I know that you have the power. Is there truth in what she's saying? Does God have the power to heal? Yes. Does God heal people? Yes, he does. But we have to be very careful here when we start assuming that go- the outcome is going to be what we want instead of what God wants. Does God ever want a righteous person to, to die? So wait a second. What does what Hebrews say? It says it is appointed unto every man. Once to to die, did you know what God has a time plan for me to die, and that's okay by me. Think about that. Uh, When we surrender our life to Christ, that's that's difficult, right? To say, "Lord, I give you my life," but there has to come a point where we even say, "Lord, I give you my death," right? And if you want that to be today, I trust you. If you want that to be when I'm 100 years old, okay. Does that make sense? Uh, And so we have to be careful. Um, that we don't turn faith into believing that God will do what we want him to do, but what he says that he will do. I have a friend, um, his name is Dan Nichols. He started a church recently, he's a young guy, started a church in the Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania area with another friend of mine. Uh, recently got married and, um, and his, his wife uh, became a child and and everything seemed fine until towards the end. There were some complications. Their child, Landon, was born with some heart problems. Uh, his heart's been opened. His chest has been opened for multiple surgeries already. And he's, he's just a couple of weeks old at this point in his, in his, in his young life. And there are many times where they thought he wasn't going to live through the day. And on Facebook, he was talking about what was going on. And when the doctors said that there's a good chance he wasn't going to make it, and so he asked for prayer that God would heal him, that God would give wisdom to the doctors, and he asked for prayer for all those things, but at the very end, he wrote this, these words. He says, whatever happens, we will still trust in God. God is always for us and never against us. See, that, that's faith, isn't it? That's faith. Um, and so, uh, so we have to be careful that we don't let be- faith become a belief that God will do what we want him to do. And the third kind of faith that, that I see out there is Faith is the the idea of belief without proof. Again, there might be some element of truth to this, but I don't think it's a complete definition. And in fact, if you go to the American College Dictionary, the second definition for faith that they give is belief, which is not based on proof. So there's this idea. You know what I call that? Blind faith, right? Blind faith is the idea that there is no evidence to support what you're going to believe in, but you're just going to choose to believe in it anyway. Have you ever heard that definition of faith? And so imagine if, if, if this were a dark chasm and I say, okay, I'm just going to trust that. That's not smart. A lot of people have died that way, right? By, by blind faith. But we, we do find that it's, it's a popular view that is out there. In fact, Mark Twain put it this way. He said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. <laughs> faith is believing what you know ain't so. In other words, there's no proof to, to support it, but you just choose to believe it, whatever it might be, in hopes that something good's going to happen. Uh, here's an anonymous quote that I found. It says, Sometimes all you can do is not think, not wonder, not imagine, not obsess, just breathe and have faith because miracles do happen. Okay. <laughs> and just hope. Just, it's blind faith. So if faith is the key, and if we have the wrong definitions of faith, then we could be very uh, self-deceived. Isn't that true? Thinking that we've received even salvation without having understood it. we see that in Matthew chapter seven when people say, many have cried to me, Lord, Lord, but will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Then they'll spot off all these religious things they did. They thought they were saved. And God will say, depart from me for I never knew you. Why? Because they don't understand the definition of faith. That's a long introduction to what we're about to read today. But I hope that we understand how important this is. Let's see what, what Paul says about faith. Let's start in Romans chapter 4. We'll read verses 13 through 15. It says, For the promise that he, talking about Abraham, would be the heir of the world was not through Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What is he saying? Abraham received salvation, not because of obedience to the law. It wasn't through works, but through what? faith. It goes on to say in verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. So uh, if you're taking notes today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have just three definitions of what faith is not and then what faith is. All right? So each one has two parts, what faith is not and what faith is. First, faith is not belief in your own ability. What we read here in in Romans is very simple. Abraham did not receive salvation through the works of the law. He did not do it through his own obedience. There was nothing he could do to earn it, to deserve it. It, That was not it, right? So if you define faith as your own ability, where you think, oh, I, I believe because I have really tried to be the best person I can be, then God's gonna say, I don't really accept that answer. And that's exactly what we find in Matthew 7. People saying, but Lord, I tried, I did all sorts of things. We, we did countless religious things in your name, and God says, those don't count. Depart from me, I never knew you. Because what they're basing their faith in is their own ability, and the Bible makes it very clear in Romans that that is not what faith is. It doesn't come through that. But what does it come through? Well, what is faith? What faith actually is, is this. Faith in this case, is belief in what God has already done, right? It's a belief in what God has already done. In the case of salvation, it is the belief that Jesus Christ already paid the price for your sins. And it is relying on that alone for your salvation. Nothing else. So since God uses the example of Abraham's faith to explain saving faith, I think it's very important for us to take a close look at what Abraham's faith really was. And that's exactly where Paul takes us in verse 16. Verse 16 we read, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let me stop there for a second. Abraham is the father of us all? How many of you are directly connected in the, in the, in, in, to Abraham in a genealogical bloodline? There might be some. Any Jewish people here? Okay. If not, then guess what? We're not bloodline connected to Abraham, are we? So what's he saying? He's the father of us all. Is he the father of us in a bloodline or the father of us in a spiritual sense? Well, let's continue to read. Verse 17 it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations talking to Abraham, in the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he didn't believe in those things. But he believed in God. He believed what was already uh, said. Faith is not, then, belief that God will do what you want him to do. There was nothing in in Abraham that said, this is what I want, Lord. It, It all came straight from what God said, this is what I am going to do for you and with you. So what faith actually is, quite simply, it's belief in what God has said he will do. What did God tell Abraham that he would do? Well, we find that in Genesis 17, 1 through 8. I'm not going to make you turn there, but I'll just read read that for you. Um, Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and, and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations out of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. The a huge promise to Abraham. And Abraham had some reasons not to believe it. Didn't he? What, what reasons did we, have, did we find in here? Reasons not to believe it from a human perspective. Number one, he was 99 years old. I don't think we have anyone 99 years old in here. Anyone 99 years old or, or older? Oh, just, okay, just one in the, out of one of the youth group. All right, very good. I have to teach them math. I'm just glad that my kids didn't point at me. So that's a proof. 99 years old. You know what? I, I, I'm not 99 years old, right? I'm somewhere in the ballpark of half that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and I'm not too worried about having children, but I, have, I doubt if there's anyone that's in their 90s in this room that would say, I'm thinking about maybe having some more kids. <laughs> right? It's just not the way things tend to happen. Right? 99 years old. Not only that, though, what do we know from the context about Abraham's wife? She was barren. So even when she was younger, she wasn't able to have children. She's somewhere in the same ballpark as, as, as Abraham in age. And then God says, I'm not only going to give you a child, I am going to make you the father of many nations. There are going to be so many descendants after you. In another context, it says you can count the stars. Uh, um, you know, there will be as innumerable as the stars. That's what your, your, your offspring is going to be like. What would you be thinking? Really? <laughs> With me? Right and so this is a perfect image of faith um, that God gives. This is what salvation-type faith is, is about. And he uses this as an illustration. So what we find is, it is, like it said in verse 19, and not being weak in body, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider those things. So faith, there is some element of saying, I'm going to reject something that seems reasonable from my human perspective to believe in something that is divine. Right? So there is some sense. It's not belief without proof necessarily, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but it's, there is an element of truth to that, that there is this step of faith. It's not complete blind faith, but it is Faith. So what faith actually is, it's a belief in what God has said he will do. It's not a belief in what we want him to do. But we see in the example of, of Abraham, there's some sense of trust without reservation. Even though there's human, humanly speaking, there's reason to have reservation, he trusted without reservation. His response was, wow, I can't wait to see how God's gonna do this. He's like 99 years old. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. So you might ask, isn't that blind faith? Well, let's, let's see what, what Paul has to say about that, starting verse 20, and 20, 20 through 22. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he, talking about God, was also able perform. That's faith. He rejected those things. He rejected the human reasoning that said it's impossible, it's too late, Uh, God can't do this. But since God said it, he believed. And he was fully convinced in his mind that God was going to do everything that he promised that he would do. That's faith. That's faith. Now, you might say, but, um, oh, and by the way, verse 22 And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is salvation faith. This is salvific faith. Abraham believed and God said, that I'm going to credit him with righteousness. Righteousness that he didn't earn, but righteousness that came through Jesus Christ. But isn't that blind faith, you might ask? What's what's the difference between this and, and blind faith? Well, Romans 4, 17, look at what it says. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of, of him whom he believed, God. And then it goes on to describe God. Who is God? God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. It Blind faith is when there is absolutely no reason to believe. You're just kind of hoping, right? It, it's kind of like when, when uh, state fans hope for a victory. You know, there's a lo- no chance of it actually happening, right? And... Uh, I had to say that because I know I have some state fans over here. But you you, you can hope for something, but that really doesn't mean it's going to happen. I know a state wins a lot anyway. But um, but it's it's beyond that. It's beyond hope. Um, It's hope in a God who has already proved himself pretty trustworthy. Think about the power of God. Uh, It says right in here, God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God took nothing and turned it into something. You know, so far, outside of God, no scientist has ever observed the ability for that to happen. There is no power on earth or in the sky that we've found that can do that. You can can change the form of matter, but you can't create it out of nothing. Think about that. You can take matter that exists and you can change form. You can set off a nuclear bomb and it will change the form of the matter, right? But it will not destroy matter. Can't do it. We don't have that power. God alone has the ability to create or destroy matter. Think about that. Also, it says God gives life to the dead. God can take matter, took the dust of the ground and created Adam, gave it life. We can't create life. We can only create life in the, in the sense that we follow the patterns that God has given us by nature, and, and we can produce, uh, produce children. But guess what? That's still a miracle, right? It's a miracle of life. God's the one doing that. And, and so we look at that, and we say, and we say wow, how could you not trust a God like that? Trust in His power. Trust in a God like that. So faith is not just believing what you want to, to happen, but it's believing in a God who makes sense. In fact, if you, look, if you skip ahead to verse 21, it says, And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to, to perform. He knew that God had already proven himself trustworthy, right? So it's, it's not, faith is not belief without proof not that. Why? Because the definition is really incomplete. We may not have proof, but it is very reasonable to believe in someone that's trustworthy, and there's no one more trustworthy than God. Right? Faith has an element of trust, yes. God wants us to trust without re- proof in a sense, without reservation, but that does not mean blind trust, because it is based in the trustworthiness of God. So what is faith then? Faith is belief based on the trustworthy character and power of God. When you put those two things together, let's start with uh, the trustworthy character. Has God ever failed in a promise, good or bad? Remember what he said to Israel? If you do these things, I will bless you. They did those things and he blessed them. We we studied that all through the book of Joshua. You read the book of Judges... God had also said back in Deuteronomy, if you do these things, then, then I will curse you and enemies are going to come upon you. And he goes through all the things. Did he follow through on his promises? Yes. yes. Has God failed on any promise? No. That's why he said to the prophets, here's how you can tell the true ones apart from the false ones. The true ones will, will have accuracy of 100% when they predict the future. 100%. If a prophet has 99%, then you kill him because he's not speaking for me. Why? Because only God can predict with 100% accuracy, right? Trustworthiness. The trustworthy character of God. Combine that with the power of God. He's the power to create life out of nothing. You put those two together. If God is trustworthy and God is all-powerful, you put those two things together. There's no reason on earth we shouldn't believe in him. Does that make sense? And so it's not... Blind faith. Blind faith says, I hope this is true. Let's jump into it. No. It's a faith that is very reasonable because God has already proven himself trustworthy. Amen? And so that's what we see. That's the difference. So A.W. Tozer, I love the way he, he wrote this definition. He said, True faith rests upon the character of God and asks no further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. It is enough that God has said it. And that should be all that we need to drive us forward. You know, if you look around us and you take God out of the equation and you look all around us, I notice that people, as they get older, eventually they die. And, and I, then I don't see them again. From my natural, normal observations, there's no reason to believe in life after death. Right? But, I know a God who has the power to do that. And he is trustworthy and he has said that death is not the end. Right. I am just as certain that I will see some of the, the, the great people of the faith, the family members and others who believe, who have believed in Jesus Christ and, and, and they have accepted the gospel. I am just as certain that I will see them again in eternity as I am that I see you today right now. Why? It's because we have a trustworthy God. We have a God who is all-powerful, trustworthy. You know, there's an illustration of faith in Psalm 119. Probably can't read it from there, but Psalm 119, 105 probably memorizes, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The word is what God has already promised, right? It's the words of God. It's the trustworthy words of God. And it it compares it to a lamp. Um, Now, do you use the lamp in daytime or nighttime? Right, if you're walking around with a lamp during the daytime, people are going to give you some strange looks, Right? So the image that, that we have is, is someone walking in the dark. So is it blind faith, or is there light? There's light. But is, it, is there still an element of trust? Yes, because how much light do you have with a lamp? Do you see the entire path? No, you don't. But you see enough to keep going forward in obedience. True faith is going to result itself in obedience. Why? Because it's, it's depending upon the Lord, but based upon the trustworthiness of the character of God. That's biblical faith. What about you today? I want to ask three simple questions today. What about you? Number one, is your faith for salvation based on your own ability? Is your faith for salvation based upon your own ability? If, God forbid, it happens today, but if at some point in your life you die and you stand before God, and if he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, and you answer with anything like, Well, I thought I did better than most people. I really tried hard. Yes, I did some bad things, but I, 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 guess what? Then your faith is in your own ability. That's self-deception. It's like the man who says there is no obstacle greater than me, so I'm not going to look right and left before I walk through traffic. It's not wise. And you'll find out that your idea was wrong. Is your faith for salvation based on your own ability? Because that faith will not save It will lead to God's wrath. Second question. Do you base your faith in what you want God to do or on what he has said he will do? Even as as believers, many times, we, we we say, I have faith that this is what God is going to do because I know he can and I know that it's good and, and we forget that, that God has the big picture in mind and we, we don't, we just see a small part of what's going on and, and we don't have his ways are higher than our ways. And, and the Bible does say, let your requests be made known unto God, right? So there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I pray. In fact, I caught myself today. I have a group of men and we were praying together before the message today and I started to, to, to catch myself praying that we would have good weather in Algonquin, right? Next Sunday, I will not be here. I will be with, with 10 from this church and three from another church. We'll be out in the middle of the Algonquin Provincial Park on a canoe trip. It's kind of nice to have good weather out there. But you know what? We, it's okay to let our requests be made known to God. But keep in mind it's a request. That God's, God's got the big picture in mind, and maybe what we need is rain. Now, I have nine people in here who are about to shoot me for saying that, Right? <laughs> I don't know what God, I don't know, but what I'm saying, so we have to remember, Lord, whatever your will is, I trust in you. Remember what Daniel said when he, they threatened to throw him in the fiery furnace? Said, My God can save me from the furnace. But if he chooses not to, I'm okay with that. That's in the, that's in the Dave Grafe uh, shortened version of that. right? But that's basically what he said, isn't it? Yeah. If, if God say God can save me, so I'm not afraid. And if he chooses not to, I trust in his choice not to. That's what he said. That's faith. Do you base your faith in what you want God to do or in what he has said he will do? Because I guarantee you we we think that that we would prefer him to just do whatever we want. Be the genie in the sky who says, oh, I was going to do this but now that my son called, asked me to do that I'm going to change my plans. We want that but guess what? It's actually a better promise to believe and have faith in what God has said he will do. Take the woman who is praying for uh, for healing for her friend. You think what could be better than that? did you know that God has promised healing? Did you know that? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it says he, died, he paid for our sins and our diseases. It doesn't promise that we'll receive that now, but it does promise that we'll have that for eternity when we get to heaven. Boy, that's, isn't that a greater thing to hope for? I mean, isn't it? And so, the, and so we, we oftentimes, when we, we think about it as what we want, Uh, what we want is nowhere near as as blessed as what God wants to give us. So do you base your faith in what you want God to do or what he has said he will do? The last question, knowing God's moral character, are you willing to trust in all of his promises today? Are you willing to set aside any human inclination to believe otherwise? Like Abraham, was willing to forget the idea that 99 year olds don't have children or that barren ladies don't have children and barren ladies under 99 is even harder right he rejected all of that because god said it and if god said it he was going to believe in that is that the faith that you have are you willing to believe in all the promises today by the way i'd say the majority of people who call themselves christians most of them would have to say no to that how do you know because as soon as the scientists come around and say, we believe in evolution, okay, then uh, we better just change the way we interpret the Bible. Okay, let's, let's, let's re- reinterpret Genesis. No, God said it, we believe it. it right. Or people come around saying that, uh, that all sorts of sexual behavior are normal and great and blessed and all those kind of things. And a lot of churches, okay, well, if that's what they're saying, then we better change the way. We actually have to take some verses out of Scripture, right? Not believe Are you willing to reject all human wisdom and believe in what God says? Because guess what? He's trustworthy. And he's all-powerful. Whatever he says, it's going to happen. Amen? What a level of faith that that could be. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment.